everything. I know some things. And uh, uh, I'm really enjoying the journey. I'm really enjoying life. And even though it's not perfect, we, we live in a broken world. We're, I think we're living in a time when humanity is striving to discover its identity. We live in a world that really don't know who they are. Um, we see it on the news. It plays out every day. We see it on the news, on social media. You know, what you see, I, I know for a fact that most of the stuff you see on social media is not reality because they're not going to, people don't want you to know their stuff. And everybody has stuff. And, and uh, some more than others maybe, but, but I, you know, when we, when we think about it, I never expected to see what we've seen in the last few years. And this is not a downer. This is really, I'm excited about all of this and, and you know, the, 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 the roads that so many people are taking so many leads to so many dead ends. There's nothing there. It's it's they go down a path of of brokenness and 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 it's like identity theft. The enemy stole their identity and they're really really struggling to find some place to fit in. And you can see it, but I, I believe the common denominator. And in a lot of areas is belief in an absent father. Now, let me give you some. This creates a hole that nothing else can fill. And I've seen it play out too many times. And, And coping, people try to cope with that in every facet of life. And, and it never fills the void. It's never enough. It never becomes, as a matter of fact, coping becomes their identity. It becomes who they are, trying to cope with this. It's the fruit of the brokenness of identity. And um, it's important to know, first of all, let's look at Proverbs 13, 12. And uh, I love the second part. I'm going to read it first from the King James, and uh, then I'm going to, I'm going to read it from another translation, but this passage is very, it's powerful. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, cometh, it's a tree of life. Hope deferred. In the passion, it says, when hope's dream seems to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. But when at last your dream comes true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. Then if you look at uh, the, uh, the, let's see, let me find it, the new American Standard Version. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Now, when you think about that word, that hope, it means expectation. It means expectation. And deferred means prolonged or delayed. And, and sometimes indefinitely, it's like it never seems to come. And, and then it makes the heart sick. That word sick means to be 
It means to be diseased. It means to be um, uh, at, a, at a place. As a matter of fact, if you, if you look up the definition of uh, that part about making your, the, makes the heart sick, there's, there's a, the definition of sick is chala, kola. It means to be worn, to be weak. It means uh, to become, to feel weak, to become ill, to make oneself sick, to be tired. It, it means to show signs of sickness, become sick, to be wounded. That's what it means. It makes the heart sick when hope's deferred. And, that, and we see that in life today. Uh, when the desire comes, what's the desire? It's the expectation. The desire comes from a word tava. It, it means a wish, a longing of our heart. The longing of the heart. And we all have those. My wife, talk, we talk about the longing of our heart. Seeing our children safe and see them come to the knowledge of the truth. And, and seeing some shifts and changes even in our old household. But, but you see, we're not putting our, we're not throwing the baby out with a dishwater because it hadn't happened yet. So there's, there's something that's significant. Let me give you some statistics. Then we'll go over to Romans 8 and Galatians 4 and talk about something. Um, here's what happens when the father's absent from the home, 85% of the youth, they, when the father live in a fatherless home, they're twice as likely to drop out of school. 85%, twice as likely not to graduate. For girls, 100% chance if they live in a house where that father's absent. There's a 100% chance of obesity, more likely to become um, a mother before they're 20 years old. 75% of rapists are motivated by displaced anger that, because they have this feeling of abandonment. I don't know about you, but that word abandonment is is very significant today because there's so many single parent homes. I know grandparents, you know, we are grandparents and we raising our grandchildren. We're, but, but you understand this, our strength is not in our own strength. And there's a lot of people that are doing that. They're, they're doing that because here's another statistic for you. 75% of adolescents are treated for substance abuse in some kind of facility. And I've met some of those guys because they lived in a home where the father was absent. 85% of children exhibit behavioral disorders that come from a fatherless home. Here's another one. 90% of youth run away from home and become homeless uh, because they live in a fatherless home. And last one, 63% of youth suicides come. 63% of those youth suicides happen because they've lived in a fatherless home 
before they made the final decision, it was because they felt abandoned and there's no reason to live. Now, those are pretty startling statistics, but things you won't hear on, on the news. You won't hear too much of that on the news. But I can tell you that I've heard stories. I'll tell you a, a great story. Um, a story of, I believe this is the heart of the Father. He wants us to live with a sense of adventure. And, and uh, Sunday morning when I got here, little Zoe came up and, and uh, she had her little iPad. And she, was, she came right up and started talking to me. She said she wanted to show me her cupcake on her iPad. So I just got down there with her, and all of a sudden, you know, it had some kind of lizard or something on the top of it, on the cupcake. It was, it was really cool. But, but she went and started a whole new cupcake and wanted me to watch her put it together with the ingredients. And I did. You know why? Because Jesus said, suffer the children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And, and I was elated because here's the sense of adventure and innocence. Because this little girl, this little baby girl felt safe sharing her adventure with me. And, and so she went through all the process. She, she actually took the ingredients on her little uh, app that she had. She, she would take, there was, there was eggs, there was butter, there was flour, there was milk, and, and a mixture. You mix it all together. And, and she, she knew exactly what to hit. And then there was the pan, you poured it in and you put it in the oven. And when it came out, actually you put the little, the little cupcake holders in the, in the pan and, and pour the, she, she poured the batter in, put it in and she picked chocolate. I believe it was. And when it came out, she picked a, a, a different color icing and, and she went through all the steps, but this was an adventure. This was the heart of a little girl who wanted to share that adventure. And, and I believe the father is looking for somebody who wants to share their adventure with him. And, and, and to know that, I, let's go over to Romans 8. I believe this is the solution. And I think we experienced a part of that Sunday morning. I really do. I, I think we experienced something because I, I want to talk about uh, no absentee father. You know, when sometimes when we're raised, um, and, and, you know, I, I don't criticize any of my raising because it was the foundation that brought me here and the message of the gospel, the real gospel. And, and so, uh, so many times we, we're given a picture of a father who is way out there. And if you, if you meet the standard, if you can be good enough, I, I used to feel this way. He'll, he'll let you get closer to him. And, and so I, I really had to struggle with that because I never felt like I measured up. I never, that's why I had to get saved 10,000 times when I was growing up because th there was always something new that I was struggling with. And, and so um, when you think about... Um, what was going on, I, I, you know, we, we think about a father 
And many religions, they teach that. You can't have this really intimate relationship with the Father. And that's what he wants. Let's look at Romans 8. He, he, Paul is writing, and you've heard me read this before, but I'm going to read it from the King James first. Verse 15, Romans 8. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Now that word adoption is so much different than our word. It comes from quiathsia. Uh, it's, a, it's a word that means the placing as a son that is adoption. It's not a stepson. It's the real, it's the, it's blood kin. Because the redeemer, when you look up the word redeemer, it means kinsman. It comes from the word kinsman. And, and so it's figuratively, it means that we've been adopted as sons, that relationship that God was pleased to establish between himself and the Israelites in preference to all other nations. But see, he didn't, he didn't just limit it to the Israelites. That's his chosen people. But it's those who receive the Spirit of God into our souls, becoming the sons of God. Let's look at what he says. He says in the Passion, it says something um, really in depth. And it says, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. King James calls it the spirit of slavery. Meaning that if you... If you're good enough, he's separate from you. God is out there and, and you can get him. You can get. I love what Jesus said. He said, no man can come to the Father except by me. He's the only way. But he's the way. He said, you didn't receive that spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you've received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father, Abba. Do you know Abba is not a Greek word? This, the New Testament was translated from the Greek, but the Greeks borrowed that from the Aramaic because the Aramaic is what Jesus spoke. He didn't speak Greek, he spoke Aramaic, but the Bible was translated, I believe, in Greek because uh, of the strength of the Greek and God's timing is impeccable. But this word Abba is uh, an Aramaic, it's it's a word that Jesus used. In Mark 14, when he's in the garden praying, he says, Abba, Father, if it's your will, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, I want you to think about this. I've always thought that he's just talking about going to the cross. But I've had, I've had wise men talk about what if he's talking about dying before he gets to the cross? What if he's asking the Father to let the cup and the angels come to strengthen him? Remember? Don't let me die before my assignment is finished. Now, that's up for... You know, there's no clarity in that, but, but it's something to think about because Jesus said, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Now, this is the cup of suffering. And he was beaten to the point of death. It's amazing he even made it up the hill 
to, the, to, to Calvary. And he said, nevertheless, not my will. But, but the reason Jesus, he came to, to reunite us to the Father, but he is the perfect picture of the Father. Jesus is the perfect picture of the Father. Everything I see in Jesus, it's in the Father. And so we see here that he says he sent the spirit of tender affection. Now, the, the King James says he sent, you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So who's crying Abba? Th that word Abba is a very, it's a term of endearment. It's a very powerful word. It's what the children called their dads in the Bible days. They called them Abba. It's the same word for daddy, Papa. Same word. So the Father ooh, sends the Spirit into our hearts crying, Daddy, Papa. Do you, do you see the wholeness and the healing that would come if we begin to embrace? You know, sometimes I think we, we really bypass the simplicity of the gospel by getting too complicated. But I can tell you that, that the Father wants us to have this relationship with Him that is so, and I'm telling you, I'm, He's bringing me into that place. I can tell you I had a really long talk with Him Monday. I mean, my nose, it was, I mean, it's awful. I slept three hours Sunday night, between Sunday night and Monday Three hours. I was up most of the night, two or three o'clock. It was awful. And because uh, I live in this body. So I had to talk with my father. I said, Lord, thank you, Father. It's not your will for me to have this. If, you, if it was your will, you would not have allowed your son to be beaten to the point of death. I said, Father, it's your good will to give me the kingdom. So if the kingdom is health and healing, and you said not to provoke your children to wrath, God, you're not a man that you should lie. So, Lord, I receive your healing in my sinuses. I thank you, Lord, that I've been made whole already in your, in your eternity. I'm in time, but, God, I receive what is in the kingdom right now. And I know there's people praying for me, so coupled with those prayers and our confession, I'm telling you, it's, I can't remember the last time I didn't use nose spray. It was, I mean, I could be around food and I could be around, if I got too hot, my nose, I couldn't, I, when I lay down at bed at night, last thing I, had to, I could do was I had to spray my nose so I could use the CPAP. Because you got to breathe through your nose. I hadn't had to do that in the last two days. Why? Because you can trust the Father to do what He said He would do. So this word, Father, is customary. It's the title used of God in prayer. It has an, a Greek interpretation, but uh, joined to it. It's current, when you think about this term, Abba, it's through the frequent use of prayer, but 
it's also very important to know that that word Abba in the, in the Aramaic means Papa, Daddy. Now let's go over to Galatians 4. Now we know that Paul is addressing the Galatians because they're being drawn back into self-effort, religious religions, Judaism. Jesus didn't come to start another religion or to keep us in the law because law will make you a slave. It'll make you a slave. You can never, ever measure up. You could never. Jesus the only one that fulfilled the law. I, can't, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. And to bring you out from under the curse of the law. To give you the spirit of life in me. Christ. So he says, now I never saw this. Brother John can probably elaborate on this. But I'm telling you, I saw something. I've read this many, many times. But Paul begins to talk about the heir. As long as he's a child, he don't differ anything from the servant, though he be Lord of all, but he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, one translation says this, it says that for until the time appointed by the father, the child is under the domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. Now, watch this next verse. So it is with us. When we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. So think about that. As long as we're not believers, as long as we're not under his covering, he says, when he calls them juveniles, Paul calls them juveniles. He said, they're enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. But when the time of fulfillment had come, God, Abba, sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. Why? Because that's the only way. Yet all of this was so that he would redeem and set free those held hostage to the law so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as his children. Whoa. And so that we know, would know that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father or Abba, my true father. So now no longer living like slaves under the law. So he gives them an example of a child that has a great inheritance, that he's the heir of all the inheritance, but he, he's, he's, he's not in a position to receive it. It's kind of like the prodigal son, right? <laughs> he's, not, uh, he's not in a position to receive it. He's not mature enough. He, he don't know what to do with it. He would waste it. So he says... But when the time of fulfillment, now I like what the King James says as well. It says, when the fullness of the time was come, God's timing is impeccable. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, 
to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. That word redeem means to buy back. Jesus, forgiveness of sins is, is crucial. But the sanctifying of our spirit. When you think about Peter when he said, be holy for God is holy. That means that God is never subject to change. He is holy God. That's W-H-O-L, but, but, he, but holy because he is the same. He is amazing. So when you think about identity and how people struggle with identity, Jesus had no problem knowing who he was. The religious people did. They, they called him all kind of names. And, and so remember what Jesus said. He, he said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. And, and it, it's like salt in a wound. Uh, we're preservatives. We, we are preserving. We're, we're like the Holy Spirit's here in us holding back. Some of the, you, you, I don't think we realize the power of God in us holding back what the enemy would love to do, but he can't. So I believe that understanding who we are and whose we are Understanding that truth brings us into this knowledge of we are the sons of God. We're the sons and daughters, if you want to use that term. But the Bible uses sons kind of covering everybody. It's all inclusive. Because as sons, it brings us into the place where hope's not deferred. That... We persevere. Why? Because we know who's, who's our father. Let me tell you another story. Little girl was raised. This true story. She was about 13. She went to a mental health counselor. And, and 13 years old, she'd been sexually abused at six. And this, this girl, when she got 12 years old, she became fascinated with death. And thoughts of suicide because she bought into the lie that her life, her identity, that she really wasn't worth much because it was her own biological father. Another story. Now, thank God that she's getting the godly counsel. Another story of a little girl, 13 years old, lived in a home that was a violent home. It was Mom and dad were always fighting and it was meth and, and all kind of chaos. And, and so one night, mom and dad got into a fight and dad leaves. And sometime in the middle of the night, the little girl gets up and she, she leaves to go find her daddy. It's by three o'clock in the morning, she's at the grocery store. And could have been an angel or a very nice lady who picked her up, took her home. And when she got home, her dad was there with mom in bed and they didn't, 
They didn't care that she was gone. They didn't care that she was back because they were in such a place of darkness. That little girl came to counseling and the counselor asked her, what's your greatest fear? Here's what she said. That's why I believe the Lord's positioned some people in our house. And I'm sure that's, that's probably some of the struggles of the 15-year-old. Of the and, and so ask her, what's your greatest fear? My greatest fear, now, now I want to tell you that this is, I know that some situations happen that are beyond our control. But, and there's, there's divorce happens and things happen. My son's divorced from, and my grandchildren are really having a struggle. But here's the, here's the thing. He asked her what her greatest fear was. She said, my greatest fear is that my daddy will leave and he'll be gone forever. I'll tell you another scenario. This is good. Little girl was at school. She's in middle school. Her dad has been on the, in the, uh, across the water in, in, in the military. And she would face, her dad would FaceTime her. And one day she's sitting in the class and the teacher and all the kids wanted her to FaceTime her dad. So she does. She, she's got him on FaceTime and talking to dad, asking how she's doing. She said, I'm good, dad. When are you coming home? And all of a sudden, there's the school mascot standing by dad. And the girl looks perplexed. She said, dad. Daddy, are you here? And she sees he's in the office of the principal and she takes off and all the kids and the teacher chase her down the hall and she runs in and jumps up in the arms of her daddy because he's here. I think that all of us have that longing. So many need to see that we found the answer. That our Father is here. He's not absent. That makes us whole. Because we know who we are. We know whose we are. And I believe that He's really, really just so into every area of your life. So into every area. I heard a minister friend, same guy was in mental health, uh, also ministers, um, he was going to his little girl's dance recital. And uh, he said he was on his phone. And when it came her time, he watched her and said it was, it really melted his heart. And she came up to him and said, she didn't feel like she'd done really good. And she told her dad, said, said, I don't know if, I don't really feel like I, did very well. And he said, well, sometimes I feel that way too. But said, Dad, you're a preacher and you're doing it for Jesus. And her dad told her, said, honey, let me tell you. <laughs> I believe Jesus is just as much into your dancing as he is into my preaching. He might even like dancing better than preaching. <laughs> Come on. Now, that's what he told him because the mind of a little girl. Now, now think about this. 
I'm glad, I thank God for the word, but I thank God for the heart of the Father that wants this relationship with us so that we don't live in a place where hope deferred, delayed, prolonged makes our heart sick because there's a lot of heart sick people in the world. I see them all the time. And we try to reinforce in our home the fact that we love our children. My, my son had withdrawn from a family text and, and uh, his children really had a struggle with that because it's the first time he was going to start his own where he could get the family and because he's in this place, he don't know the heart of the father. He thinks he knows God, but his God is not the real, the real God. And, and so we pray for him. And so one of the, one of the things I think about, I, I didn't answer. I didn't even respond. And he got a little upset. He asked Deb, he said, why didn't dad respond to my text? And I thought nothing of it because I don't do a lot of FaceTime and, and texting and I, I will to my family and, you know, I'll answer briefly sometimes, but I knew those children were watching what I was going to say. I mean, one, one, I won't go on all the details, but, but he was a little upset. So I called him this weekend and, uh, I, he didn't want, he told Deborah, she said, don't tell him I told, don't tell him I told you this, but she did because we're one, right? <laughs> But I could really be shaken by that. If, and that could really cause me some concern. And, and if I, I would lose sleep over it if I didn't know how the Father's heart is toward him. That he's going to bring him to the knowledge of the truth. And, and, and so I may get the opportunity. And, and uh, you know, being ministry for song and, and, and being exposed to religion. And I use that word loosely because the, the kind of religion where people are supposed to profess one thing and they're living in another way. I'm talking about big ministries that really disillusioned him and, and caused him to question his relationship with the Father. And, and so I believe that God is going to bring wholeness to him and uh, in a big way. And, and uh, I don't know how that's going to play out. I'm not trying to, to draw it out to make it this is the way it's going to be because I, I don't know. But I do know the faithfulness of my father. Because he said, Paul, who was it? Peter, Paul and Silas in Acts 16 when the jailer was about to kill himself. Don't, don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. What, got, what do I need to do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be saved and your house. Do you know, he's just talking to one man. He don't even know his family. Brother John. Absolutely. How did he know that? Because Paul and Silas are singing, right? They're praying. <laughs> There's some evidence that witnessed to him. Something witness. That's a good. That's a good point, because I believe our lives can be a reflection of the Father's heart. So that somebody, I know that's what happened here Sunday. 
because the Spirit of the Lord became, that, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, is liberty. But he, he was drawing people. I don't think everybody that was being drawn came down. But, but I know one thing. There, we saw too much, right? To believe it wasn't anything but the hand of God. And if he did that for them, those families, he's going to do it for us. Any comments, anything anybody want to say? So I believe hope deferred makes the heart sick. I've been in that place. The expectation. My eyes are on some, something different now. I'm focused on something different. Brother John? That's right. Absolutely. So how do you defer something that is not? That's right. I mean, it's a Yeah, amen. So, what is he saying here? He, is he saying your faith was not true? No, I don't believe so. No, I'm talking about in that case. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, hope deferred, delayed, prolonged. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe, now you can, this is what I, I, I believe it's not even our faith. Is he really saying you need patience? He's really, that's right. That's, that's the whole, that's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So, a absolutely. I live by the faith of the Son of God. The, the faith I have comes from Him. The, the patience I have comes from Him, from the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's the only place it can come. So, that's a good point. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's it. That's it. We we see that's why what is it, Hebrews? While we look no, uh Second Corinthians four eighteen. While we look not at the things that are seen. Why? Because it'll defer your hope. But we look at the things that are not seen, like the dog that smells, for they are eternal. So we, we have to let the Holy Spirit paint a picture in here so that we see nothing else but victory. Regardless of how we feel, regardless of what it looks like, 
And I'm telling you, when, when you're just zapped, like, I, I can't even describe. And I know that some of you have been through the same stuff, but I, I was thinking about, I said, oh, okay, it was Sunday afternoon when this started, and Monday, the whole day, and I thought, Lord, I know there's an answer. I know you're going to move on my behalf, and this is going to come to pass. I know it is. And, and guess what? He, he did above what I was looking for because, man, I'm going to save a lot of Dollar General is going to go lacking now because I'm, they're not going to have any more money for the nose spray. And, and I don't have to worry about that anymore because Father's faithful. And we receive what he said he did. And, and I, I t actually told him, I was walking back from outside and, and boy, I was feeling miserable. I said, Lord, please don't wait. I know your tendency is to wait. <laughs> yeah, come on, you, you, you with me? There, there's times you need the Lord to move immediately. And sometimes he's okay with prolonging because it, it's, there's some, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to the called according to his purpose. So, so here's, here's my, my take on that is because I know he's got this, regardless of what it looks like. Because Hebrews 11 says, the faith, now faith is the substance. And I believe that substance is like the vision. It's like the picture. Brother John talked about the dog seeing a picture of what he's smelling. And, and uh, it's kind of funny. I can use my chickens too. Because if I go out on the back porch and they see me, they're all running over to the edge of the run and they're gathered up. And they're really restless because they think I'm bringing them mealworms. Don't matter what time I go out. And I only, I only give it to them in the morning. But I can go out there and they, they'll just wad up. Waiting, just looking in my direction. Because that's good. Yeah, I believe it is. Image. Absolutely. Absolutely. What does that mean? In his image. I think that's what makes him fascinated with us. I really do. I, I'm, I, I believe that he looks at us and he is delighted. <laughs> Come on now. Woo. Boy, that's good. That's good. Amen. Likeness. Oh. Come on. Yeah. Like. The Father, like Father, like Son. Like because. Because. <laughs> because, yeah. We are because. That's good. That'll preach right there. Amen. Boy, this is good. It's so good. I love you dearly. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I hope that there, any questions, any other comments that you might be thinking about? So I'm really excited. I'm grateful. And I want to uh, just ask you to, to be blessed and, and walk in the favor of the Lord. And 
just know that I'm telling you, I, I think about, I'm consumed with this journey of relationship with the Father because I believe that's the key to the revival, the refreshing. When you look at that word tree of life in Proverbs 13, 12, if you look up that word life, it's, it, it's not Zoe, but it, it's close. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, that word means refreshing and renewal. When the desire comes, there's renewal, refreshing, revival. So know that God's into that. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. And everything in it. So I want you to stand with me, if you will, and and uh, 